You are now listening to the Purpose Edits Podcast. You've got to be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweets to be successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game and finesse it and get through it. Welcome to the Perfect Settings Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose. Two, walk in your purpose. And three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined as always by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. Shane, what up, homie? Another day, another dollar. What's up, man? What up, brother? How you doing this morning? Man, I'm I'm doing good. I'm doing even better. I'm getting nostalgia looking at you, man, with the new haircut. Yeah, man. I had to shave off about 10 years. It makes me feel young. I know I'm not, <laughs> but looking at you makes me feel younger. I appreciate that, man. I really appreciate that. Just need a little bit of an energy shift. Hey. Um, I-, I think I don't not to get weird, but I think there's like energy in here. And other things. Oh, absolutely. So I decided to get some new energy and cut my hair off. And I'm probably going to try to keep up with it for a little bit. Listen, when I took all of this off, I tell people, they're like, you cut it all off. I'm like, you don't realize how freeing it is. When you talk about energy with hair, it is absolutely freeing. And it does something to your psyche. You know, the the bald head community is a real community. You have to get accepted by having three other bald men rub your head. Oh, wow. But you can't ask them for it. They have to come up to you on their own. And once you get the third one, then you are accepted you by the community. Well, I mean, I love y'all. I'm still trying to avoid that community just because I'm not ready for it yet. Understand. But um, it's all good. Understand. I like this camera shot, bro. Of you? I'm re- yeah, I'm realizing that I like the offset. I think I said this last week when we was talking to Jay Coates. Um, I like the off-centered shot, but then, like, you could see, like, the speaker and stuff in there. If I'm looking yeah. at, we'll work on your background. We'll get that. some stuff back there that looks, you know, <clears throat> worthy yeah. of looking at. I could clean that up. All right, so yeah. Like sorry, Donald's random thought. I, but that's yeah. you. Welcome to this world. Anyway, yeah. for our yeah, listeners, I'd like to introduce you to today's guest. Now, this young lady reached out to me um, in one of our Facebook groups that I'm in, and. We were sharing the name of our podcast shows and she saw mine and reached out asking about being a guest on. And I'm thinking, okay, people reach out to me, but why, why do you want to be a guest on our show? And when I found out her background, I said, that makes perfect sense. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She is an influential speaker, a recovery life coach, right? A certified peer recovery support specialist the CEO and founder of Sparkle LLC. And as you think about our topic, name of our show is Purpose Addicts, right? We're talking about addiction and becoming addicted to the great things. Well, she's also in that space. She's talking about addiction and she serves as the light at the end of the tunnel. I want to introduce you to Miss Sparkle Lindsay. Welcome to the show, Sparkle. Oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> when you sent me, like I said, when you sent me your contact info and I'm like, yeah, so, you know, what are you, what are you most passionate about? And I started going through everything. I said, oh, yep. I see right away. <laughs> yeah. You were like, all right. I, I, that's a lot. That's enough. I got it. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, when do we do this? No. <laughs> you know, because I'll talk to people, whether we reach out to them or they reach out to us and I'm, I'm trying to flush out a topic. I'm trying to understand them a little bit more. And I ask, okay, so what are you most passionate about? I don't know a lot. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. How am I yeah. supposed to come up with a or, show? Or, or they elaborate on their passion or purpose and it just doesn't flat out align with what we do. Yeah. And, you know, like no disrespect to what you do. It just doesn't fit the brand here. So yeah. it's, it's always exciting when we meet people that align with who we are and what we believe. Yeah. And we're going to dive into your journey and how you discovered your purpose. But before we do, we always do this segment, what blew your mind. So Shane, tell us both what blew your mind this week. So, um, I was, uh, had the displeasure of working with a few people this week and, um, and I'm not, you know, not going to be too specific, but we've all heard of the saying, you know, use your resources. So, um, you know, by working with people this week and things that I've experienced, I've figured that like in business, you have to, you know, it's smart to use your resources, but also it's important that you don't be a person that uses mm. their resources. Mm. Two different, two different ways of thinking about it. When you use your resources, it's, it's usually, it, it's transactional. You give, I give, I'm adding value. But people that use their resources or are in the business of using their resources, it's one way. How can I benefit? How can I benefit? And it's never about the other person. And in business, that's not how um, that's not how it works. Um, successful people exchange things. It's um, yeah, sometimes it's money, but it's not always money. You know what I'm saying? And and you want to be a person that always leverages and adds value to others as you also receive never give to get but look to add value first as opposed to entering a relationship where i'm going to take as much as i possibly can take sucks you know i think that i i see it i would it, i would swap out a couple of words the i think that the people who use or in essence take advantage and are one-sided those are the transactional people that's how they think whereas the people who value relationships relational sales, relational business is where it becomes symbiotic, where I'm going to add value to you because in a relationship, yeah. it's mutual. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the other, the takers, they're the transactional ones and they're trying to just see what they can get and get and get, get out yeah, of yeah, all yeah, their yeah. resources. Yeah. And every successful person that you talk to or, you know, people that are achieving on a wide level, all of them are not focusing inward. It's to solve a problem. It's to help others. So I think if you enter um, a field or industry or anything with just, I'm going in this to benefit myself, you you missed it. Because ultimately, we're here to help others. Yep. Sparkle, you're a business owner. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, my bit. well, I'm a recovery coach. Uh, so when you talk about relationships, you talk about relationships all the way across the board. Um, you know, the gift of finding compassion for yourself and others is a huge portion of doing great business with people too. And so if you know how you want to be treated and you don't want to be treated as a resource, you won't treat anybody else that way because you don't want that, you know? Mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> a lot of the work um, that I've had to do, you know, within my journey of two years is being able to find inner peace within myself before I even started 
you know, doing any type of business work with anybody because you don't want to be a taker, you know, and um, finding your passion a lot of the times helps you know that it's not really about the money, right? It's, it's actually ultimately about what you love doing. And if you can collaborate with somebody who loves doing what they do, then you got a party, you know, and, and it, it doesn't, it's not really about the money anymore. It's more so about what you guys are helping evolve. Right. <clears throat> so, I mean, when I talk, when you think about people and then you have to think about like people who are in the business world and they haven't had that opportunity to work on them, you know, and they don't know what it is to be mindful of others or aware or understanding, you know, it still gives me an opportunity to slow down and realize that so that I can help people understand that, you know, and let them know, hey, this is my passion. I don't need the money, but we can trade resources, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, that, that, you know, it seems, so, it seems so obvious, though, to have compassion for, for people, right? That's the golden rule. <laughs> yes. To treat people like you want to be treated, but all too often people just lose sight of the world around them, they get so engulfed in chasing a dollar and in today's terms, chasing a bag. And it's so unfulfilling, in my opinion, you're going to, you're going to end up falling flat on your face. And then you're going to get into a place where you become desperate. And Mm -hmm. anytime you're in a place where you're making decisions out of desperation, you're in a bad space. Yeah. And I think a big portion of that, like for me, Um, I am just as of last Tuesday, I hit two years sober from alcohol and addiction. So congrats. Yes, it has been the most surreal journey I've ever had in my life. And uh, I'm just getting started, you know, when it comes to learning about me. And uh, one of the, the biggest portions I had to find was love for me again. Right. And um, like you said, you hit it. You may, they, they may fail. They may fall because they don't understand, you know, what went, went on. Well, I was pretty close to that. You know, I hit, I hit that, that rock bottom. Um, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to come back from it, you know, and being able to do some extensive work on myself and figure out my why uh, was really important. And sometimes it takes us to hit it and not realize that we're hitting it to realize we have to change some things within ourselves and find that inner peace to do so and move forward, you know? Yeah. So as far as business goes, especially being entrepreneurs, you know, I'm a huge entrepreneur now and uh, it's not easy, but you know, nothing was ever said it was going to be easy. This journey of sobriety every day <laughs> for me, is not easy, but I choose to make that because I have a passion for myself and uh, what I can bring to the table. Right. And I think a lot of times we, we forget it starts with us. And a lot of times if, if we, if we actually sit back and realize that it starts with us, our moods, our feelings, our cup of coffee, you know, how we're feeling in the day can really, really, I mean, it sets the tone for anybody you meet, you know, we're setting the tone for each other this morning, right? Yeah. Yeah. Bright and early. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's do this. Let's, Let's jump into your journey because I'm I'm really curious to hear it. For for me, this this topic um, that you touch on hits home. And you know, I've shared on on our show. My dad suffered from an addiction growing up. You know, he is sober now and he is working towards a better version of himself. But I absolutely resonate with the feelings of being in this space. So I'd love for you to 
Take us down your journey. Start wherever you want to start. Tell us about you. Well, you know, um, I am the oldest of five, and um, all of us have gotten our degrees. We are athletes, uh, doing really well. So I always make sure I tell people that addiction comes in every way, shape, or form. <laughs> okay? <laughs> There's no such thing as it passes this group and it goes to this group because it goes wherever it wants to. <laughs> Okay. And being an executive for 13 years uh, at three big box companies, uh, I dealt with a lot as far as work, it had great accolades, everything. But I did battle and I still battle for autoimmune conditions. Uh, one which put me in a wheelchair mm. six to eight months. You know, we were talking about the no legs thing. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't have my legs for six to eight months, and uh, it was right in the middle of my college basketball season. I got really ill, and I was told I'd never walk again at age 21, and I would never play basketball again. So you know what I heard? I heard, I'll never play basketball again. What are you talking about? <laughs> I didn't hear the never walk again piece. <laughs> so I was determined, <clears throat> determined. I was a strong Black woman. I still am, who just kept fighting. You know, I didn't cry. I just went after it, ended up playing ball again and playing another two years of college ball, uh, tried out for the WNBA and I turned it down. The body just could not handle it with, uh, the autoimmune and the lupus. And I was 24 at the time and I wanted to see what else was out there. I knew my body was taking a, you know, it was going to take a toll on it. So, mm -hmm. For me, I said, okay, cool. I'll jump. I got my degree, uh, double major and a minor. And then uh, I ended up jumping right into retail, became this HR manager for 13 years. Uh, I ran remodels for Kohl's, uh, set up the HR programs at JCPenney's. And then I found myself at King Supers, uh, Kroger, for the last set of my time. So for 13 years, I just really loved people. And I loved figuring out where people fit in the puzzle of the company I would work for, right? So little did I know that after I would be done with corporate America, that I would find sparkle, the light at the end of the tunnel, my ambition to continue moving. But before that, I had a lot of trauma. Uh, I had an associate, uh, he killed himself in front of me. Um, and... I got hit with trauma and then back to back, I ended up getting hit with lupus. So I got a, my last condition, which was lupus all in like the same year. And I had been, you know, not married. I don't have any kids. I had been, uh, I had been drinking and partying and having a lot of fun, but I started noticing the drinking was kind of creeping up on me and cocaine was my favorite my favorite drug, you know, and uh, as it caught up to me, I was also having nightmares from this guy, you know, killing himself. I'm having trauma. I'm in pain. So they had me on a form of chemo, uh, trying to get that under control. And uh, I just was taking on a lot, still getting promoted, still getting accolades, all these different things. But I was at my worst, you know, I was at the worst thing. I, I was at the worst. And uh, there was a point where I just knew it was time for me to get help. And so I reached out um, for the first time in my life. I asked for help. I dropped my ego and I was like, mm -mm, I'm an, I can't get through this one by myself. You know, I tried. I really did. And uh, I knew I had to surrender. 
you know? And so the surrender for me happened May 4th of 2019 and I haven't stopped and I won't stop my surrender. You know, I went through a lot. I finally cried uh, after 13 years of no crying. And um, I learned so much about the strong black woman syndrome. You know what I mean? And actually having to, thinking that I needed to fix everything for everyone else but myself, when all along it was me. And I was distracting myself from myself so much, I, could, I didn't even cry about things, you know, cry about the things that needed to be and have emotions and feelings, you know. And um, as I got on the table for trauma, some, I did a somatic experience and I did a lot of neurofeedback and just a lot of work on the brain and the mind and the way we think um, as alcoholic addicts and just as people in general. And I realized that a lot of it is, you know, it was me saying I had to do all of this stuff. Nobody really asking. So I'm walking around with this scowl on my face. <laughs> I'm mad and wondering why do people think when I'm walking around, I look upset. Well, it's because I'm trying to fix everybody else's stuff and I really don't need to, you know? So I changed the narrative for myself and I said, you know what? Yeah, I am a strong black woman. But the greatest thing about that now is that I can say I'm a woman of many strengths. You can hold your stuff and I can hold mine too. And we can walk together and get across the finish line. None of us have to be barely holding on, you know, when we get there. <laughs> so with that, I just really, you know, have fell in love with me. And next thing you know, I, I left my job, you know, I decided to go to treatment. And then when I got out of treatment, I was like, I can't go back to corporate America. I'm going to use again. I'm going to use again. I didn't know what I was going to do. You guys, I, I literally was like, <sighs> what uh, aspects of corporate America made you feel as though if you went back, it would cause you to relapse. That's an interesting statement. Oh, the fix it syndrome. See, because I was, uh, HR, so I constantly was like, call Sparkle, call Sparkle. She'll fix it. She's got it. The hours, you know, I was working nonstop as an executive, 13 hour days and, and just, you know, really just the most, you know, and then on top of that, I have four autoimmune conditions. So I was exhausted and tired. So when I got that little bit of time off, I was like, okay, I love my self-care. I love yeah. me. Yeah. I love my time. If I go back in here, I'll be drinking in no time, you know? <laughs> is is the uh, fix-it condition an addiction in and of itself? Heck, yes, it is. It is for yeah. most of us. What the problem is, is that we all realize or we think we can, I'm not going to say we, but me, of all people, yeah. I yeah. feel like um, I can walk around with nothing in my cup. And that's mm. unacceptable. That is extremely mm. unacceptable. The way that the narrative is for me now is I have an overabundance in my cup and whatever overflows you can have. But other but than your that, your cup has to be full first. That's dope. In this cup. <laughs> and don't even I slap your hand real quick. if you. Try. <laughs> that's dope. You don't mess with that. But the overabundance, I'll give it to you all day. You know, mm. uh, keeping yourself replenished and understanding that is probably one of the hardest things to practice. It's a practice, you know, and a lot of people think, okay, I wake up and I just don't fix things. No, I've been doing that for my whole entire life. Family, friends, work. I've been, can sparkle, can you fix 
no matter what. People ask you to do it because you're so used to doing it that it becomes a second nature for you, but it's not healthy for you. Usually it's yeah. not very healthy um, because you become this perfectionist. You become this person who I've got to get it done no matter what. Disregarding or suppressing all of the emotions you should be feeling and therefore suppressing it by possible vices, right? Addiction, overworking, sex, uh, coffee, alcohol, drugs, right? Hey, don't talk about coffee. Okay, sorry. And then they, <laughs> I, won't, I, won't, I love it even more now. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> I guess I would, I would ask, though, you know, being a fixer is your core, right? And there's parts of you, you know, it, my background is in, in leadership development. And, you know, there's different assessments out there that talk about the personality and they're based on the personality and the personality is fixed. It doesn't change. Who you are as a kid is who you are as an adult, right? Your behavior changes as you, as the world around you changes and your perspective changes, but your personality is fixed. So being a fixer, does it now evolve and you're still a fixer just in a different way? Yes, you are a fixer, but you're a fit. So for me with my career, okay, I have always been a person who loves to watch people grow and help them help themselves. Okay. Not help them, help them help themselves yep. okay y'all remember that <laughs> because a lot of times we want to take credit for somebody else's work and we don't have to be along for the ride and enjoy it and that's what I do as a recovery coach you know as a life coach I plant the seed for you I tell you what I see with my lived experience okay and then from there you can either take that or you you cannot right but ultimately I was take when I was working in corporate America, I was like, this is the way it's going to be because I fixed it, which is also a form of control, you guys. Mm -hmm. So now I'm trying to control. I'm trying to be a perfectionist. I'm trying to work. Now I'm working around the clock, right? Because everything, I got to make sure everything's good. And I, my hands are in everything, right? Why? Stop that. Don't enable companies. Don't enable people. Allow people to work for themselves. We all can do it. And we have to allow people to believe in themselves and give them space, hold space for them to do it, right? So with dealing with people who are in alcohol and addiction or who are, uh, you know, in any addiction, you know, and they're transforming, I'm a transformation coach. I like to sit there, plant the seed, hear that person's story and figure out what resources they need to be successful for them. As soon as they tell me, through deep listening, what they need, I provide that for them and then go alongside them while they walk on that journey to figure out where they fit in their puzzle. Because in the end, they'll feel better for it because they did it on their own. And as an alcoholic addict, someone tell me to go to treatment a hundred times, I'm not going. Soon as I said I want to go, and I said exactly how I want to go and when I want to do it and how I want to do it, and now I'm going to do it. Right now, I'm at two years, and it's because I did that. The world opened up. The world opened up for me because yeah. I was able to drop blockages. I was able to say, This is for me. But if someone else would have said, Sparkle, we'll pay for you to go to treatment and we'll do that, it's no longer mine. It's no longer mine to keep. Yep. which makes it easier for me to say, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yep. 
you know? So it's a really good passion. I, I, for me, working alongside people who have addictions along with myself, it helps me grow day by day because I have to, you know, I have to stay on my grind all the time, but it feels good to be curious about myself and continuously move forward to be a better me for me. And for others, it feels good to be in their light and be there with them while they take their life back and also be there to help if there's advice or whatever, but letting them know how I feel too. It's very open. It's a peer-to-peer type of thing. And uh, for me, I just found a passion in it and I have taken it by storm for the past year and a half. And now I have people of all walks of life looking to take their life back right now, whether it's addiction or whether it's just transforming and reinventing your routine, finding out where you fit And what works is what I do on a daily basis. And I love it so much. It gives me so much purpose and it makes me feel like I'm doing what I've always wanted to do without being um, under a company, right? And making goals for them. Well, now I'm making goals for myself and my own company and watching others take their life back and do the same. So it works. It works. And we talk about that sharing collaborating resources that's where all of that comes together and it all comes in full force so it's been a really good journey so far <laughs> that's dope you took the you took the top off like i said about the hair you, when you take the top off and you start doing stuff for yourself oh, yeah. like, changes that, that everything. is so freeing there is no ceiling now that changes the narrative and all of a sudden you you think you're captive i kept i remember thinking i'm making good money if i leave this job If I lose this job, what am I going to do? Do you know right now, (laughs) if I had somebody say sparkle, you just not, you don't work for us. All right. See y'all later. I (laughs) got to go. (laughs) I'm learning money is probably one of the biggest. And it sounds weird because we all need and want more money. But man, the the desire for money will really stop you in your tracks from being everything you can be. Um, and and I'm I'm going through that right now, where it's just like you know you had you have a certain amount of things and you've lived at a certain level, so to imagine yourself outside of that box is tough. Yes, and we we miss our opportunity because we're we don't trust ourselves enough to make it happen again. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're in fear. Yeah. We're in fear and we're in comfort. Okay. So yeah. we're comfortable. And at the end of that comfort zone is where the real deal happens. Yes, sir. We don't, we don't get oh, yes, there. Right? We <laughs> we don't <laughs> you're talking to Victor. It's okay. <laughs> you're covered. You're covered. <laughs> so we don't get there, right? We we're like, nah, uh-uh. I ain't playing around with my money. You got to be kidding me. When all along, guess what we're doing? And I'll let you know, the company I worked for to get started as a recovery coach, I had to leave them because I had created my own blockage. Mm. I was becoming an enabler of that company. I was doing five different positions for that company. And all of a sudden, I became, once again, the fixer, right? Stop talking about me. Look Look how quick. Even in my two years, you guys, of working, look how quick our bodies go back to what we've been doing our entire lives. But we have to change the narrative and go, oh, wait a minute. I'm putting in my resignation. Do you know my heart was like, but how are they going to feel? And what is all this? What am I going to do? Hit the button. I hit the button. And as soon 
I'll tell you this, as soon as I left them, they threw a party for me. You know, it's really good to do celebrations when you're milestones and celebrations when you're moving forward, right? They did a party for me. And the next day, I had somebody say, no, (laughs) (laughs) next day I had somebody call me through LinkedIn and say, Sparkle, we'd like to do a mutual agreement with you with Sisters of Hope and Faith in Dallas. We'd like for you to be one of our motivational speakers. So as quick as I got rid of the blockage is as quick as my higher power is like, you have a greater calling. Go get it. Don't sit here and allow others to tell you what you can and cannot do. Move forward because you're supposed to. And I knew then I was like, uh-uh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Sparkle, the light at the end of the tunnel, we coming. That's what <laughs> I said, because I can't keep being hidden. You can't dim a light and you can't keep enabling companies. Go do what you were meant to do you know, and believe in yourself while you do it. And, and, and it's easy as it is that I'm saying it as hard as it is to do it. So when you do it, embrace the happiness, don't just walk away from it and say, I did that. No, embrace it. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy the moment and what you did. The other stuff can wait. You know, we're, we're not promised. We're really not promised tomorrow. So when we talk about the things we do that are great, shoot, to me, it was great. So I'm going to celebrate it. Yeah. Man, there's so much that you, you gave us. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I, a couple of thoughts that I had wrote down that, you know, we can get into. So I wrote down your why now, right? I wrote down lessons in business versus lessons in sobriety. Mm-hmm. Right. So that might be something we get into functional addict. Mm. <laughs> functional addict. And then you had mentioned how the mind thinks. And and I'm curious in learning more about how the mind thinks to give people strategy for changing their narrative because we they get advice. We all get advice on you have to change the narrative. You have to change the narrative. And it's great advice. But the question that people are left with when they go back to themselves is how do I do it? So let's start there. Well, first things first, we have to recognize why we do what we do. We have to recognize why we have the addiction. Okay. That's how we know. And we become more mindful and aware of what's actually happening. That's how you change the narrative. So here's a prime example. I had a client who had a reoccurrence. I'm sorry. We changed the stigma in our, the way we talk about things. So reoccurrence is relapse. Okay. I don't like to use the word relapse, nor does the Uh, substance use world because um, relapse is pretty intense. You know, it immediately sets like you messed up (laughs) and everybody uses it like that. So when someone hears that, they immediately get down on themselves and sometimes they can't pull themselves out. So let's say you have a reoccurrence, no different than me having jumping out of remission from lupus. Right. And I have a reoccurrence. Right. So, You have a reoccurrence and you're upset. You call me and you say, Sparks, this is what happened. Sparkle had a reoccurrence. You know, my client says this, I don't know what to do. And I said, just like this. Okay. So you had a reoccurrence. What were you doing before you did that reoccurrence? Well, I was sitting there and I got into an argument with my husband. And then he said some really mean things to stop. It's the trigger. What mean things did he say to you? Well, he called me those same exact names he's called me since. Stop. Was that a trigger? 
She said, yeah, because I started crying. As soon as I did that, I had to get out of the house. I jumped into the car. And the only place I could think of going was to the liquor store. Mm. The way that, and then she said, but the things he said to me just hurt my heart so bad, Sparkle. And I'm so sick of being treated like this. She said, and the only thing I could think of, I didn't want to cry anymore. I didn't want to cry anymore. So now we're suppressing emotions, right? I, I, so I decided, go ahead, drink it. Go ahead, drink, do what I have to do, not worry about the emotion, and then put the H on my chest and handle it and go back in there and deal with my husband. Hmm. Now, how could she change the narrative? <laughs> well, Did it start with accountability. Yes. First things first, what are you willing to accept? What are you willing to say is okay? Are you willing to walk through the emotion? Are you willing to sit in it, even when it's uncomfortable? The gift of being comfortable with being uncomfortable is a blessing, but it is very difficult to do. Yeah. None of us like to sit in our emotions, but you know what? The better we do it, the more we do it, the better we get at it. And before we know it, before we know it emotions are temporary. They're not permanent. So you keep moving. But a lot of us are taught, don't cry. Don't do that. Hold so what do you think she's doing? Stop she's going, yep. She's going right back to her childhood, probably. Mm-hmm. Right. Deal with it. We deal with it. We stay married. We do whatever. You don't have to deal with anything. And choice is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was great. We sit there and she goes, that's a trigger. I said, so what do you do? She said, I'm going to him and I'm going to let him know that I don't like when he talks to me like that and that it triggers me. And that is the reason why I had a reoccurrence today so that he understands that the way he is talking to her, he cannot do because that spins into why you don't want her to drink in the first place. Mm-hmm. And there it is. Now they both can change the narrative because they have been open, honest. And at the same time, she has said, if this continues, I can't be here anymore. I have got to change my life because if I continue to do this, I'm going to die. I can't keep drinking because you think a small trigger isn't that important. So you start learning a lot of things about yourself and that's when you become curious and you unravel that to change your narrative. So research the reoccurrence, research the relapse in anything you do, not just in addiction. If you are a workaholic, research why all of a sudden you went back to work and did another 24 hours straight and didn't eat no food what happened did your boss say something to you that made you feel like you don't do enough work and Mm. does your boss have the right to tell you that right and are you accepting it because if you are that's on you part of the problem yeah. yeah that's how you change the narrative you know yeah so that's what i do to myself every day i'm like mm. Sparkle, you're a real piece of work. That <laughs> you, where did that come from? Like, <laughs> stop that. <laughs> it makes me think about, uh, I read this book called The Power of Habit, where it talks about triggers and habit loops. I think it's a really good book if you're, if you're thinking or wanting to learn the how you can help change the narrative in your behavior. I think it's a really good book to, to help people kind of identify those strategies in those moments, like you said. Yeah. You know what else, Victor? Think about the person who changes the habit or changes the narrative. How do you think it makes them feel afterwards? 
Oh, it releases all kinds of endorphins. They feel amazing. Exactly. And then guess what people do when they do that? They don't celebrate it. They just keep moving. And that's another thing. Celebrate, embrace what you just did. You're making moves in your life. And that's in the moment. That's in real time. Don't worry about what you're doing next week because you're not there yet. But what you did today is you set boundaries with your husband. You said, I'm not drinking today. And that trigger's got to stop. Those are huge things in your life that are going to change the narrative for the rest of your life. Celebrate it because you deserve it. You're getting better. You're learning. The practice is becoming you because you're allowing it, right? You're accepting it. You know, you touched on this earlier, rock bottom. And I always thought that this was a term that, you know, kind of came out of my dad's evolution and getting to sobriety. You know, he, he and I would talk about what place he had to get to in order to change. And there's, there's two thoughts that come to mind. I, I, I remember I'm, I gotta be like 22, 21 years old, somewhere in there. And we're having this conversation and he's not sober. He's trying, he's tried multiple times. And I, I said to him, I said, you're going to have to get to rock bottom before you decide to change. The problem is in the space that you're in, you can't see and haven't been able to see how it's impacted others around you, right? Namely your kids, right? You can't see it. So for you, you know, Sparkle, as you are the fixer, as you are in your addiction, could you see how your behavior was impacting the people around you? Man, so this is where the woman of many strengths came in. Um, My family, so my family, we're very well known. My brother is an NFL player. Uh, He played for the Denver Broncos and he's now a a running back for the Texans. And um, I was the oldest of five kids and they followed in my footsteps. So you can only imagine um, they followed their big sister. Whatever I did, they just, they thought the world of me. So you can only imagine, here I go, I get into this drinking And here I am. I'm like, this is why I said it took me forever to ask for help because I was like, I can do it. I can do it on my own. I'm okay. I'm good. You know what I mean? And uh, before you know it, I noticed that they were upset. A lot of them, I thought they were upset, but they actually were really scared and they were really sad. But when I had my meeting with them and I told them how I felt and what was going on with me, it changed their narrative. They didn't understand the mind of an alcoholic addict. They, they thought, you know, why can't Sparkle just stop? She's our big sister. You're our world, Sparkle. You're superwoman. I've been living with those two words my whole life. You're our world and superwoman. Now, last I recall, superwoman is not real and the world is pretty dang big. So for me to be (laughs) that and to be holding that on my shoulders, thinking I'm their world, I can't do it. Where do you think the fix it came from? So they had to know that the reason why I couldn't tell them I had a drinking and drugging problem is because I'm supposed to be their world and their superwoman. So finally, I said, you know what? Thank you guys for holding my torch, but I cannot be your world and I cannot be your superwoman, but I can be your sister, an alcoholic addict in recovery, working to be better for me. And if you will accept that, then we can move forward. And they immediately, they hit the ground. They hit the ground crying because they were like, we ain't never seen our sister take, 
you know, it's, it's one thing to see your sister take it, get get accolades, do everything, right. but to take something like this and to say, fine, that's what I am, but it doesn't define me. And right. if any of you guys feel this way, if any of you guys are drinking or drugging, you got one person to say, it's okay, we can work through it. So it ended up really just breaking through, even with the family, being able to understand where my mind was at and that I was like, I want to stop, but I am spinning and spinning, spiraling, and I cannot stop. And it's not because it's just that easy. If it was, we wouldn't have alcoholics. You know, the mind says you need this to be okay. You need that drug to be okay. You know, it's, it's hard. And, you know, they've seen me, they see me go through, you know, daily. I'm like, whew, I'm craving today. I'm craving today and I want to use. And they're like, does that mean you got to go back to treatment? I'm like, no, that means that I'm growing. I'm telling you that I need you. I want you with me and you will probably have a quick conversation with me and the craving will go away. Yep. But I need you guys to be there with me. And they said, let's do it. So they, they are really learning a lot more about it. There's a lot of different classes for people who are allies of alcoholic addicts so that you can kind of understand what we're going through on a daily basis, you know? And that helps me with my clients because I get a lot of parents who will call and they'd be ready. They'd be hot. And I'd be like, yeah, you here's some classes for you because yeah. you can't, you can't control the alcoholic addict. The alcoholic addict has to want it, you guys. And it's just as well as it's me. You know, only 20% of us make it. 80% don't. Wow. That's how hard this really is, you know? And I think sometimes we, it goes over our heads if we don't have the addiction, right? But for those that are dying off of one pill of fentanyl or meth, they overdid it, you know, because of their mental health, because that's a big one, emotional wellness, right? Um, God, those are things I deal with on a daily basis. So you never know what you're going to get, you know? It's, man, it's um, that that hits home again, like I said, so much. And I think about the feeling now, do you have this overwhelming feeling to make up for lost time with your family? You know, I have to make up for lost time for myself so that they can learn to trust me again. So the more that they have seen me flourish and spend time with me in the now, the more they're like, oh, my sister's back. And so you start to realize that it's not really the time you missed. It's the time you have now together that you really can grow from. And uh, for them now, I'm, you know, before I'd be like, oh, I don't want to go to Christmas because everybody's going to be thinking I'm using, you know, I don't want to, everybody's got something to say. Now I'm like this. I walk up in there. They know I was using before and I'm not now. And if they have anything to say about it, I'm more than willing to let them know that they, they have the right to feel that way. And the only thing I can do to gain that trust back is to continue working on me. I don't have time to focus on anybody else and what they think and how they feel, okay? I have the courage to change the things I can. And I know when things are not mine to hold any longer. The only things I can hold and keep are the things I can control for me. Now, if I'm doing that correctly, everything else will evolve as it may. My higher power will allow people to understand what's going on or they won't. 
But the difference is, is that it starts with me. And if I'm so concerned about everybody else and helping them and fixing their feelings, where am I at? Right back to square one, having that reoccurrence, right? So I got to focus on that. And anything else that someone might be mad at or not, really and truly, that's not really my problem. That's a problem that they need to take with their self, you know, and learn how to forgive or learn how to understand that or do what they need to do for them and focus on what they can for them, right? It works. We all have our journeys and we all have things we have to work on and we can't work on anything else for anybody else but us. So we have to look at it that way and take the good with the bad. I hate to use those words because they're judgments. They just are what they are. Take them, run with them and, and make it what you can with it, you know? Yeah. Um, you're public, very public about sharing your sobriety mm-hmm. up to this point. Uh, what do you hope to accomplish in sharing that publicly? You know, first, I hope to accomplish uh, being able to allow people to hold space for themselves to communicate how they're feeling um, with their stories. The new currency, stories are the new currency. Mm-hmm. Okay, the more we hear, the more experience we hear. We notice a lot of people are similar to us, but some people are afraid to say it, you know, asking me how I'm I'm very open and public about it. I also encourage people to be vulnerable with themselves about their story. It will help you grow. You know, the reason why I'm talking like this is because the more I talk about it, I learn more and more about myself and my story every day because I'm like, ooh, I forgot that happened. You know, that's a good, that's good to know, you know, or that happened when I was 12, just little things that come back. When you start working on yourself, you actually start to open up so many more things for yourself and so many more opportunities happen. And so I want people to know that another piece is, is the mental health in this world needs love a lot. Okay, and it hurts my heart to know that the majority of people who are dealing with alcohol and addiction, they have underlining mental health things going on that they have not even set foot to even understand they have. And it's because they've been told not to, or they're afraid to say, I think I might be bipolar. I think I might be schizophrenic. I'm hearing voices, but instead I'll do meth so I don't hear it. You know, I I suffer from depression and one of the biggest pieces with depression, autoimmune conditions. So I'm in pain. Those two things alone are enough to make you drink. Okay, so if you are a person who's never able to acknowledge your mental health or you're afraid to, that's how you walk around depressed, drinking and in pain. And you don't tell anybody anything. So to me, I'm here to say it and change the narrative. I don't care who feels or whatever somebody feels about this. These are two major, major issues in the world. And these are two major things that need to be addressed because all of us in some way, shape or form are dealing with our emotional wellness, especially with the pandemic that's been happening. So these are things I feel like, especially in in the black community, we don't talk about enough and we should, we would be stronger for it. We're too busy fixing stuff and trying to act like it's not there and put the Band-Aid on instead of actually learning what it is and walking through what we're feeling and actually saying emotions are temporary. They're not permanent. We can get through this. 
You know, you're handling it by suppressing it, then you're not handling it. The courage to walk through it is what's important. So I'm here to say a lot of different things. I'm here to speak my truth and how I feel and the things that are important for us to talk about so people know that this is happening everywhere. And if we keep turning our eye to it, we're going to have a lot. We already have a lot of things happening in the world, but it's not, it's not going to get any better. You know, it's not. So that's, that's why I'm talking public. <laughs> that makes sense. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, on the show, we have a staple question that we ask all our guests. Um, and we want to know as you speak passionately about, you know, your journey, who you are and where you are now, we know that we've all had contributing factors, people who helped us along the way. So tell us who are three people that you listen to the most and why? Who in your biggest influencers? Three people you listen to and why? Well, my dad. Um, my dad is the bomb. <laughs> uh, he is a Reiki master and we do, and he's my, was my Taekwondo instructor. Uh, he's always been a person who's believed in me. Even when I was going through my addiction, he just kept saying, it's not about where you start. It's where you finish, yep. you know? Um, but we're doing some really good work on the Reiki and we just have a wonderful time spending time together. And he understands the gift of time with one another in the present, you know, so he's one of them. My mom, my mom is my number one fan in anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but lately, especially now watching this journey, she's just in awe, but she always has taught me to keep myself calm and to be open and, and be honest and be loving um, the best way I know how. And to meet people where they're at. She always tells me that. Meet people where they're at because you don't know what they're going through. You know? And uh, last but not least, I would say uh, my sister. My baby sister is my, my joy. She's my love. And uh, one of the biggest things I can tell her is she's so innocent in her truth. But one thing she really, really does do is she sees things really for what they are. She's not a person who judges. She's not a person who says that it's, it's this or that, but she is a person who stands up for people, you know? And when I was in the middle of my addiction and I wasn't doing okay, um, my sister was one of those that said, Sparkle's going to get better. She never talked bad about me, never said anything wrong, nothing. She just knew it was going to happen. And when I heard her make the comment, I got my sister back. Um, it just made my heart smile. Uh, she said, cause I, I never gave up on you, sis. I knew you'd be back. So, um, those three, I, I mean, obviously I got a whole bunch of them, of you course. know, um, especially those that help, you know, my addiction world, the warriors, sober warriors, but I, I mean, it takes a village so we could be here all day, Victor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I say, I can speak to it for sure. Um, yeah. and I'm sure there's so many people. Oh, like you know, when, you, when you put it in my head and you think about it, I mean, my aunt who just said, you going, I know exactly where the treatment center you're going to, here you go. And she said, jump in your higher powers lap, let them take them where you take you where you need to go. I mean, these little things in my life have turned into huge things. And it's yeah. like the higher power of mindset. Now take all of this and speak. Let me use you sparkle as a vessel and let's go do this. Um, and 
So I think about it, all of it. They're my therapists, my, you know, psychiatrists, all these different people who made it possible and told me you are worth it. I could go on forever. And the thing is, is that some of them don't even know how much of an impact they actually really had on me. Yep. They just know that they happen to be there for a little bit of time and plant the seed for me to do what I need to do. But each of them, all of them, they mean the world to me. So um, I think we've talked, we've heard about the other side and I might've missed it somewhere in here, but how did your addictions, I have two questions. How did your addictions put a strain on your personal relationships? Uh, Personal relationships. How did it? Like with your family and your immediate circle, because we've heard about the story in relations to your job and how at times your job impacted your addictions. But as far as your family, how did, what, what did that look like as you were going through it? Well, we talked about the family and how it was and, Mm -hmm. you know, definitely uh, the superwoman syndrome. Gotcha. That, that's, yeah. Um, I also was in a relationship with an alcoholic as well. Okay. And I was supposed to get married and I did not. Mm. Uh, So when we talk about changing the narrative in my relationship, um, I took the, I had to take the approach and save my life. And I had to leave the relationship and I moved um, to another place because he was an alcoholic. He is now actually in recovery as well, but a lot of things changed for me um, as I got, have gotten more sober and it doesn't fit. Gotcha. It just doesn't fit, you know? So, and he understands it doesn't fit him either. You know, when you, when you're drinking, you take up less space. Yeah. So you just choose to be in the relationship because you guys are drinking. Drinking, yeah. You finally realize that you're not drinking anymore. And you're like, yeah, this is person does not fit me. Yeah. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> if I could rephrase the question, were you able to maintain that super women status as you were going through the heat of your addiction? I maintained it for a little bit until, you know, all of a sudden I was like, I surrender and super gotcha. women can have it. Because I don't okay. believe in that. Gotcha. <laughs> I believe and in me. And that's gotcha. it. You know, just, yeah. just doing my best. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And then as you've come to the other side of the addiction, mm-hmm. where and how have you found your perfect purpose and how do the two align? So the purpose is recovery coaching and being mm-hmm. able to being able to help people help themselves through my surrender, my sacrifice, and then being able to watch me in action as well, which was the peer-to-peer um, peer support specialist that I've done. And then also really just being able to, like you said, um, I think, what was your second question? How did they align? How does your addiction and your purpose align? Because that's what my thought was now is, is this now your addiction? Pretty much. That's where I was going to go with it. When you talk about your show, Purpose of Addicts, Mm -hmm. my addiction has turned into a positive addiction for me. Not too much, you know, because there's balance. Yeah. My addictions have turned into the positive addiction, which has made purpose in my life. And I have now figured out my why. Which is to the greater point. Sorry, go ahead. Which is to the greater point that we made earlier. It's not about the money. It's about what makes you happy and Mm -hmm. finding your inner peace and being addicted 
to that. (laughs) So that is what I'm addicted to. (laughs) Yeah, and and along the way, it wasn't like, you know, you knew 10 years ago this was where you were going to be. It was the journey that lined you up to put you in this position. Like you knew, I mean, I'm imagining that you always had a heart for people. You always were interested in seeing people be successful. But the actual phrase of recovery coach and entrepreneur, it was one of those things that, and this is something that I think we both tell people, Vic and I, Mm -hmm. that finding your purpose is an active thing. If you're sitting on your butt, it's not going to manifest itself as quickly as as it would if you were actually active pursuing finding that ultimate purpose if that well makes sense. and also believing in it and manifesting it yes mm-hmm. once you get there yeah the manifestation of believing what you're deserving of mm-hmm. what you are but what you intend to be what you are entitled to and what you're deserving of are ways of manifestation and so that when you start to just do that, when you start to throw those those out there, belief happens, things evolve, stuff starts to happen because you want it to. When you don't tell yourself that, when you don't tell yourself who you want to be and who you deserve to be, there's nothing for anything to go off of. It's just there. You could be the most amazing person in the world, but if you don't tell yourself that, and if you don't push that into existence, You'll just be the greatest person in the world sitting on the couch, chilling, watching whatever it is you do and go from there. But as soon as you start to say, no, I'm here and I have something to say and I believe in it, I'm going to manifest that for me. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. This is what I feel and this is what I am going to do. And this is who I'm going to be. Now, the universe feels that it starts to do that. The existence starts to happen and others start to feel that. And before you know, it's infectious. People around you start to believe in their manifestation. And now you got a party, right? But we all got to believe in something. We all got to move forward and do something. We can't just sit around and just hope somebody do something for us. Yeah. We got to make it happen. Throw it out there. Manifest it and let it happen. And whatever is to be will be. But take it for what it is. Live in the now with it and go for it. What else are we going to do? with? with, What else are we going to do? Yeah, that's so dope. That's so dope. You have a really, really cool message, really inspirational message. Um, this is awesome. I'm I'm glad we were able to get you on the show. You 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 have to tell people where they can find you because I'm I'm sure you're not just helping people in your area. You're able to help people anywhere. So tell the people, tell our audience where they can find you. So you can find me on Instagram under Sparkle Lindsay. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I have my own Facebook page, Sparkle the Light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, I also have YouTube pay or YouTube channel, which is Sparkle the Light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, if, and I always say this, if you know anybody that needs any type of help, if we're talking um, just a, a quick call or anything, my email is sparklelindsay2 at gmail.com. I'm on all of the the major forums, uh, Twitter, all of those things. If you just look up Sparkle Lindsay, most of those are on there. I also have a website, which is sparklelindsay.com. And that is where I do training, uh, seminars. Uh, I also do motivational speaking uh, engagements with people. And I am a coach, obviously. So uh, whatever you feel you may need, there's a, a huge world of helping yourself on my site. And uh, just a huge 
a few phone calls. And I do take phone calls, especially if they're in desperate need. If you are really in desperate need, you feel like you want to take your life, whatever that may be, please call your crisis line, uh, the crisis center line for suicide or any of those. Uh, if it's something simple and you want to do a discovery call, go ahead and give me a call and, and look on my website. It's there as well. So in the uh, Calendly there, just to do a discovery call and see if we fit. Um, but other than that, I really just, I like to encourage people to know that there are so many resources out there to help. And no matter what, even though I'm from Colorado Springs, I'm very, very tight with a lot of other peer support specialists throughout the States and through the UK and Canada. Um, and as a nationally certified peer support specialist, if you're wanting to be one, I also train um, specialists as well. So uh, there's just skies to limit to what you want to do, but I am available. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, people, listen, if you or someone you know needs help, don't be ashamed to get it. We all need it to some degree. And that help comes in many, many shapes and forms. So again, Sparkle, thank you for joining us today. I'm going to close us out with a quote that absolutely aligns with today's message. The quote says, faith and fear both require you to believe in something you cannot see. Faith and fear both require you to believe in something you cannot see. The key is you have to choose which one. You have to choose which one. So thank you again for rocking with us, our audience. As always, if you haven't, like, subscribe, share the show, give us a rating. Tell us how we're doing. Don't be afraid to leave a comment. Let us know suggestions on topics you want to hear. You can find us on social media at Purpose Addicts. And as always, go live life on purpose. We out. I'm running for